Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Hello and welcome to Rain Stop Play, uh, your weekly cricket podcast, summing up all the news in the cricketing world. Um, if you're coming over from Cow Corner, welcome. We are still the same guys, doing the same thing, rambling on, being very biased uh, and loving our cricket. Uh, but for new fans, welcome. This is Rain Stop Play. Uh, four or five of us every week sort of breaking down the main stories in cricket, reviewing series, previewing series. You know, a focus on England, we'll admit that. But, you know, a lot of focus on India, Australia and all the franchise tournaments going on. Uh, so my name is Dan. Let me introduce you to the rest of the Rainstop Play crew. I'll firstly go to Zach. How are you this fine day? Yeah, I'm really good. I'm I'm really smug. It's been really hard to spend the whole day not talking about this test match, especially when I've had calls with people in India. So that's been really difficult. So it's really nice to finally be able to just talk about the cricket. Glenn, how are you? You're over in Wyoming. You live and study out there. How is it following the cricket and how have you been following this England game? It's been great. I just have this image of Zach cold calling people in India, just putting in random numbers to laugh. I just <laughs> for his job. Um, anyway, um, yeah, no, it's been it's been great for me. Um, I was delighted England wrapped it up with a session to spare because it meant I could get to bed by half two. I'd committed to the full final day by then. So I'm here. It's about it's almost 10 a.m. So I'm actually not as um, exhausted as I may have been. So I appreciate that, Jimmy. Thank you so much. Yeah, he knew he knew you need to be you know <laughs> sharp for this pod, the new rain stop play pod. He knew. Uh, and Will, how are you? England and India fan, but more of an India fan. Um, you're going to give us the India side of this today, and I'm excited for that. How are you feeling? No one expects you to be feeling like this. I don't think. <laughs> no, I'm I'm feeling good. All told, I'm expecting three very smug co-hosts here. Um, as you said, I'm bringing the Indian perspective, which means I oscillate wildly on this podcast between smug and, and deeply frustrated and angered. Um, and we're, we're slightly towards the latter end of the spectrum today. Um, not least because unlike Glenn, I'm on a sensible time zone um, and thought I would just take a little nap and wake up in time for the afternoon session and found that by the time I was up, it was over. <laughs> so, so, so I've missed the crucial part of this podcast. Is that like, is that Indian fan sort of overconfidence, like you presuming the game was still going to be going on in the afternoon? I mean, that, that's poor from you. You should have known. Um, it, was, it, was, it was sleeping us down, I'll be honest with you. <laughs> I heard a police siren going off in the background there. That was for, that, you'll hear that anytime there's any bias. There'll just be a police siren going off in the background. It'll be and the for no those... ball signal. <laughs> yeah, <'cause> that... <laughs> <laughs> that was a no ball collected. <laughs> And if any of us do reference Cow Corner, you know, the previous name of this podcast, that is a pound fine into the Cow Corner swear jar. These didn't count, by the way, because I'm, I'm, using it in no, no, no. I'm using it in context. I'm using it in context. Uh, OK, before we get into review this amazing first test match, um, what we often do here on Rainstop Play is just take you over the news just to keep you sort of with an idea of what's going on in world cricket. Uh, not too much to, to follow up on, but uh, another great test match and a great test series going on in Pakistan. Uh Pakistan versus South Africa. Uh, the second test just finished the other day and Pakistan won by 95 runs. Uh, win the series 2-0. Uh, Hassan Ali took a 10 for it in that game in, in his comeback series. Um, and great to watch cricket in Pakistan. I don't know about you boys, but I didn't watch cricket before, you know, the incident that meant international cricket couldn't happen in Pakistan. And this was the first time watching it on Sky in the UK that I've watched cricket in a Pakistani stadium. I know there's no crowd, but I thought it was pretty cool. Did, did any of you watch this series or these games? What did you think? Pakistan looked pretty good but i also think south africa are a bit rubbish i just think it was a massive shame that this game especially clashed with the with the england india test because it was a fantastic game of test cricket it seesawed even into that into the final few hours of play everybody thought we kind of stopped following it um because we thought south africa were cruising to a really comfortable win and the fact they collapsed really epitomized this 
excellent test where everything could have happened. Um, so yeah, we're going to do, um, we will do a pod that actually covers these test matches and the subsequent T20s, which are happening between the two sides this weekend. So yeah, keep an eye on that. And it was a really, really good example of test cricket, I think. Yeah, great to see uh, Test Cricket back in Pakistan as well. Um, and yeah, that White Ball series should be an interesting one. Keep an eye out for our pod on that next week. Right, that's that out of the way. Let's get into the England-India Test match. Um, should there be a smug jar as well for this part? I can't help smiling and looking at Will every time I talk. Um, but for those of you who don't know, England won uh, by 227 runs uh, in Chennai. Uh, wrapping it up with a session to spare on day five. England's 578 uh, was their first innings, Joe Root's 218, holding the innings together. India responded with 337, Don Bess with 4 for 76. And then England, in a weird sort of third innings, put 178 up, uh, leaving India's target of 420, uh, which they got nowhere near, being bowled out for 192 on day five. Um, where do we start, boys? I don't know. This, for me, Zach, was the complete team performance. Um Every player showed up when they were called upon. It's going to be hard to sort of, you know, pin anybody on their own apart from maybe Root um, because they all came to the party, didn't they? I've not seen an England team do this for for a long time, if ever. Yeah, seeing an England team do this and it not just be... I mean, yeah, like you said, Joe Root, obviously a double hundreds. Yeah, it's a very good, very good score. And it did change the test match. Although England still would have won if he had scored nothing, only just, but they still would have won if he had scored wow, nothing. What a hot take that is. That, that, that 218 <laughs> was irrelevant. Pretty much pointless. But what wasn't irrelevant was, uh, and I want to talk about Dom Sibley and his, his development within the last month because he came to Sri Lanka and, you know, he spoke pretty openly during the series about how he'd. He came to Sri Lanka feeling pretty confident in his game against spin. And I know there was potentially less spin at the beginning of his innings in, in this test match. And he came in pretty confident, three poor scores, then dug in and got a good 50. And there was, you know, potentially some poor captaincy in there to win England the second test match in Sri Lanka. And then came here and everyone was kind of like, oh, was, was that just a blip? Was that just a good a good score? But then got 87, really important 87, chewed up a lot of deliveries, which he's he's taken some flack for. And was he deserved a ton. And his partnership with Root, it set up the game for England and England... You know, there's this new idea that we want to bat long, we want to hit 400, which I kind of, I, I kind of get a bit annoyed about because obviously it's not that England weren't aiming to hit 400 before, and that seems to be the kind of constant thing that oh now England want to hit 400 in the first innings, like they just wanted to hit 250 before, <laughs> uh, but it is a you know it is a change of tactic. They're trying to bat a bit longer, and it shows that you know we can't have we can't have root, we can't have you know. Stokes and Butler playing some of the shots, particularly Stokes, without Sibley chewing up those deliveries and mainly just tiring out the Indian bowlers. He He's great in subcontinent conditions for this because, you know, a hot day in Chennai bowling 286 balls, at a, a weird looking Dom Sibley would kind of, you know, annoy entire bowlers, one might think. Um, I find it fascinating how England went about this first innings because when they they came in after day one and they were, you know, 260 for three and for England fans, I was buzzing when Root said we want six or 700. I nearly fell off my chair, but <laughs> it, it, it was what was necessary. Right, Glenn. And and they got there in the end for 578. And when, you know, the likes of Bess who faced 105 deliveries and, you know, even Leach hung around, I was like, okay, come on, let's get on with it. But no, it was, you know, an important effort by England and, and a, a conscious one as well. Oh, absolutely. I think everybody chipped in, right? Just looking down the scorecard now, um, obviously Lawrence was unfortunate to get uh, to get that duck. He'll be cursing himself for missing out on what could have been a really good score for him in this first innings. But you go down the list. I mean, for me, Ben Stokes' innings stood out. I was lucky enough to be awake and watch every every ball of that. And it was so aggressive. It was a bit of an innings that the way that Pant bats for India, it had that same level of aggression. It changed the entire tempo of the innings. Uh, and I feel if if... Interesting, I think that innings in a way was almost as important as Root's because it just propelled us towards this big score. Obviously, Root had the standout innings and don't get me wrong, he was the best batsman of the test. But without this Stokes, um, I think it took him 118 balls to get his um, his 82, 10 fours, three sixes. Such a great innings um, and such confidence. And I was really sad that he didn't turn it into a ton. But then you keep going down. You get you see Pope with 34, Butler with 30. And a standout innings for me, as you mentioned, was Don Bess with 34. I think he batted brilliantly. Uh, he looked like a full all-rounder. Um, yeah. And obviously, my concern in the preview pod 
listeners may have heard it, may have not, but I had a real concern about the length of our tail. Um, but in this innings, you even saw Jack Leach sticking around. He got 14 runs, was there for 57 balls. So we didn't just fold. And what we actually did is we pushed that score. I thought, I didn't think we'd get past 500. I thought a high 400s would be a great score. India very much in the game. Because every batsman applied themselves in tough, the pitch was pretty straightforward, but these are hard conditions, um, you know, in the subcontinent. It's not English conditions. It gets very hot very quickly. Everybody put their head down and put in a shift. Um, and I was delighted with with the application, and we haven't seen that um, in the past couple of years from everybody. I think that's such a good point you make about Bess's innings because we've we've all spoken before about it's kind of you know Bess versus Moeen and how Moeen maybe offers more with the bat, but you know I mean not necessarily and not from what we've seen, like you say. And there's been doubts over him as a batsman. We know he backs himself as a batsman, and I and I, he's and he's developing into a you know a pretty decent Test cricketer. He bowled. He bowled well in the first innings. You know, he might be a little bit disappointed with how he bowled in the second innings, but, yep. you know, he, he got Virat Kohli out. Like, you know, <laughs> he got Virat Kohli out. You don't need to say anything end, more about end his End of sentence there. Yeah. That's it, isn't it? And I think, I feel like Moeen has a higher ceiling when he comes into bat, like he could go and get a ton, but Best just hangs around for longer. And it was there was such useful little 30, 40 partnerships that did push us to that mammoth score that, you know, even when Pant was having his moment in India's first innings, he, they were still really far away. We're talking yep. 580 instead of 480. So they were so important. Um, before we pick apart England a bit more, Will, do you want to give us just a quick summary of what what went wrong for India like, this week? I, I'm not quite. I'm not quite sure. I, I can't put my finger on anything in particular. Um, you know, everyone again chipped in. I think they were outdone by a better side on the on the week. W- what do you reckon? I would completely agree with that. And, and I think you're right to put the emphasis on a great England performance rather than a poor Indian one, because yeah. I think that's absolutely the story. And probably the story of this series overall in lots of ways will be big first innings. And it'll be particularly important to see how this pitch changes, because the morning of the first day when England were really starting to you know, get in and, and put pressure back on the bowlers and then start scoring runs, it was pretty obvious that the pitch just wasn't doing anything. Uh, and that made it really tr- tricky for the Indian bowlers. By day five, you know, Jack Leach was looking like prime Shane Warne. The turn they were getting off the pitch was unbelievable. And it'll be interesting to see with only three or four days recovery time before we get another test at Chennai. It'll be interesting to see whether that pitch changes and whether that changes the dynamic of the series going forward. And if it'll be possible to put on that kind of first inning score again, as England did. I think that's such an interesting point you make about the pitch. And I've heard about the, the groundsman supposedly been getting a little bit of flack for the pitch he prepared, which I don't, I'm not sure I understand because apparently it was his first time he'd prepared a pitch for an international game. He's just been doing, you know, some state games in, in for Tamil Nadu. And, you know, he's just been, he's been around the circuit, but he's not prepared a pitch for an international game. And it is such a, it was such a question over the, before we had the multiple tests in the summer, um, in the English summer, when we had the multiple tests in the same venues, it was how are they going to do these pitches? And I think it's even more of a case in 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 Indian conditions because if uh, if they don't like if they prepare a pitch and it's it's really dry and it's you know it's spinning from day one like like the pitches were in Sri Lanka, then it would it would change the game because those first innings runs that they're still going to be they're still going to be extremely important. But you won't you know we, we maybe won't see another five hundred run game and it might be a lower scoring game and if if England say India win the toss and bat first next time and they because it's turning only hit you know 300 it still could be a very good score but it will it will surely give England a lot of confidence going into their innings for sure and I think it's a really interesting question kind of strategically about how Indian groundsmen want to go about preparing their pitches for the next years and decades um because obviously we're not privy to whatever conversations have gone on in the background, but it's an interesting decision, as as you said, to give it to a slightly strange groundsman situation in that case. And I think it is definitely true that the BCCI, probably more so than individual groundsmen, has been a bit rattled in recent years about this perception that, you know, Indian pitches like Sri Lankan pitches will kind of turn around corners and do all sorts of weird things. I think they really want, with the pitches as well as with the team, to be able to step up to this England and Australia level where they can sort of, as they would see it, compete on quite literally a level playing field. And and I do wonder whether the sort of pressure that, that's being put on groundsmen and individual clubs to to tailor their pitches to what's not necessarily natural for them, whether that's that came the wrong way out in this case. Yeah. Yeah, and also it, it kind of it goes to the kind of recent development of the Indian side. The fact that they don't 
there's there's a lot of talk about they don't want to just pr produce a pitch that's just spinning because some of their main assets are Jasprit Bumrah and Ishant Sharma. And there was a lot of talk before the test about, well, there's a bit of grass on the wicket. It's going to move a bit. Maybe... And, and we just didn't see that at all, which is a bit surprising because there was a lot of talk about, oh, this is basic. This is a bit more like an English pitch. The groundsman said he wants it to to do a bit, to seem in the first day, be good for batting days two and three, and then kind of, you know, break down and spin. And we didn't see, we, we certainly didn't see, we saw the rest of it, but we didn't see that first day. And it'd be interesting to see if they do, I'm not sure, how, like, I don't know the, you know, the technicals behind preparing a pitch for a test match, but it'd be interesting to see because that didn't happen, they might next time, I have this is not grounded on anything. I'm just completely, you know, making stuff up here basically. But they might produce a pitch that is, you know, got a green top because it was what was expected of this first test. And then it, you know, then Jimmy Anderson is more in the game than he was in, in this test match. I think that's definitely true. And if any listeners know about our made about geography and want to get in touch, <laughs> let us know. <laughs> Um, I think that's a really good point from both of you. And something that jumps out at me is it's a cliche, but this was a massive toss to win. I think we're probably all in agreement that had Cody won the toss um, and decided to bat first, Ashwin um, on this on, on a fourth innings would have been a real handful. Um, I think it's also worth noting that um, no pace bowler got more than three wickets. So I think we're really in, in this kind of in-between. I totally agree with you both, whereby it may have had this intention of, of a pitch more suited to, to Seamers, but at the end of the day, it was your Ashwin, Leach, um, and Bess that really picked up the majority of both teams' wickets. Um, something I think we've got to do just before we, we really do get stuck into India especially, I think we've got to just look at the England batting because it would be a disservice to Root to kind of skim past his innings. But also, Zach, I want to come to you on this. What do you think about that top three? Because um, I do feel like there may be a couple, a couple of subtle issues with it. Um, obviously, Sibley did well. I'd like to point out that Burns batted beautifully until he threw his wicket away. And thankfully for him, we can all move past that. I mean, I feel a bit bad mentioning it, but it was such a poor dismissal that I think it it's worth noting that he, he played for those who may not have seen it. He played a really poor he reverse sweep. He was mid-flow. He was in great form and he decided to reverse sweep. Ashwin mistimed it straight to Pan at wicketkeeper. Zach, what do you think about Burns, Sibley, Lawrence? Do you feel confident about the trio moving forward into the into the rest of the series? I think I wouldn't judge Lawrence on how he did in this test match because he hasn't batted. He's batted at three, I think, in like the 2017 series. Um, sorry, not 2017 series. In 2017 County Championship, he batted at three, but hasn't batted at three since then. So Lawrence, we spoke about this before, it's a bit difficult for him because his spot in the England side is, you know, he, he wants to bat in that middle order in the four or five or maybe six, and he's not going to take four or five from Root and Stokes. So it's a bit difficult for him. He's he's very young, and I'm sure he understands, like, with all of the test matches England are playing, he's going to have ample opportunity to prove himself. He had a really good knock in, in the first test in Sri Lanka. So I don't think, I don't think he's necessarily our long-term option at three, but even for the rest of this series. But I think there's a bit of a, there is a bit of a selection dilemma because Crawley is out for these first two test matches. And obviously, uh, Johnny Bairstow is coming back for the third and fourth test, presumably. So therefore, we'll, I, I think we'll probably just stick with this lineup for the second test, even though there's some issues there. But in the third and fourth tests, Sibley, surely he stays. Does Crawley then come in and open? And do we drop Burns? I suppose it depends how he does in this second test because he had a good option. And then, because Bairstow will bat at three, surely. Bairstow's not going to bat anywhere else. It's not like he's not going to be picked. And then, because I think the idea generally is that Bairstow won't keep even if he comes back. Folks will keep the gloves. So then Bairstow goes to three. And then I'm, I'm, I'm talking, I'm, I know I'm talking a test in advance here, but <laughs> it's just something that, that's sprung to my mind. And it's a it's a dilemma because I think they, they might have liked to rest Crawley for two tests after having played the first two tests. And now he's not played the first two tests. So it does, it shows some of the difficulties in this, in this policy of rest and rotation. Absolutely. And, and do you think we're going to be missing Butler, I think for the, for the next test, if that's correct, do we have any thoughts about that? Dan, I can see you getting excited. I'm not, I'm not that bothered. I'm really not that bothered. Um, he needs his rest. I sound like his mum. He needs, <laughs> you know, he's got his allotted period of time. His glove work was exemplary again. Uh, a useful couple of knocks, but you know, he isn't the he isn't the 
the essential part of this side, I don't think. And I think Fokes comes in as a very good wicketkeeper. He'll get his little 30s, 40s, 50s um, on a good day. And he'll do a very similar job. I think it, I think it's fine. Yeah, I agree. I think it's a really good opportunity for Ben Folks. He's, you know, he's not he's not done anything wrong in an England shirt and has been quite unlucky, you know, famously pretty unlucky to have not played much test cricket for England, considering he's, you know, generally believed to be the best English wicketkeeper. Not obviously necessarily the best, you know, the best batsman. He's not in he's probably not in our top six batsmen in England, but he deserves his chance, I think, and it's gonna be a, a good three test for him. And if he proves himself to be really useful with the bat, which he he did in his in his first tour of Sri Lanka, then it it's, it kind of adds more selection dilemmas, but it kind of helps England with their rest and rotation policy because it gives us, oh, we've got another batsman who can come in and average, you know, well, is your wicketkeeper, you know, 35's pretty okay. But but Butler's been really good recently is the the issue there. But we need we need Butler Butler is more of a valuable player in the white ball side than he is the red ball side. So I understand the rest of rotation. Yeah, I think that's that's a great point, and just I, I just feel like we just can't move past the England top order without just looking at um, Joe Root's um, succession of scores in recent games. He had a high of 218, obviously in this game, uh, 186 in the second test against Sri Lanka, and a mammoth 228 um, in that first test uh, in Gaul. Uh, Will, have you have you seen much of him batting? What do you think, and how formidable do you think he's going to be across this entire series? Yeah, I caught some of his first innings, and I think, as you say, it was it was amazing that he was able to carry on straight from where he left off in Sri Lanka, um, and just not even break a sweat. Um, and that was it was it was as much as it was a story, as we said, of a big first innings. Looking at the test overall, I would say it was it was Root and Anderson were the key men um, for me, and that the performance from Root to I mean, <laughs> eventually get out to Shabazz Nadim, who we'll talk about, uh, who had a slightly <laughs> questionable bowling performance, which I think Root will slightly be kicking himself for that one. But it was it was it was an unbelievable performance as a captain, as a leader, to be able to set that score. And although I'm I'm blown away by uh, by Zach's assertion that the 200 wasn't needed to win and therefore was pointless. That's um, that's that my favourite take, man. Like we've just relaunched as hard as rain stopped playing. Zach said that Root's innings was unnecessary. It, it, what's going on? I would I would like to clarify. I saw it. I have I've I've sold the take from someone who was massively fishing for abuse on Twitter. And <laughs> I've gone with it and really enjoyed it. I, Joe Root, if you're listening, you're not pointless. We need you. I'm sure wow. there'll be other. I didn't think we'd, have, I didn't think we'd have to be saying this so early. That pleading for Joe Root now. Jeez. Okay. But I think Will makes a great point. Let's come on to can we come on to Anderson and that over, please. It was I missed it, but I got up and saw the tweets. Like you know. Anderson is amazing, etc. How good was that to be reversing the ball like that, age 38, landing it on an A5 sheet of paper for a hole over to dismiss two of India's best batsmen? I, 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 what, what can we say about it? It was gorgeous. And the, the similarity of the dismissal, the off stump fell at the exact same angle for both. It made the same pitch of noise as it toppled toward Joss Butler. Oh, it was gorgeous. Um, I think I'm right in saying I was probably the only one that was lucky enough to see it live. Um, and what I absolutely love about this over, so on the front page of Wisden, um, it says, the title is Watch, Timeless Anderson Rattles Gil Rahani with Identical Rippers. And underneath it, the subheading is dot wicket dot dot wicket. That doesn't even tell the full story because the ball before the wicket was plum LBW. It was absolutely plum. And the only reason Rahane survived it, it was because I think it was the impact was just slightly outside the line, if I'm correct. It was it was hitting middle stump. I mean, and, and had the umpire given it, it was one of those interesting ones. Another reason I kind of love cricket. A few of us have issues with this, with the umpire's call. Whichever way the umpire given it, it would have been out, it would have been either out or not out. DRS wouldn't have changed that decision. So in a way, he, he could have been almost collected another wicket in that over. Um it was amazing. It, and, and the fact that he got him out with the very next ball, he rearranged his furniture. I was I was absolutely shouting um, at the tablet as I was watching it. It was it was stunning stuff. Yeah. And the, and the commentary said it so well. So I, I didn't watch it live, but I've I've rewatched it the full over enough times today to feel like I watched it live. <laughs> um, the commentary said when he you know, when he when he rearranged Rahani's furniture, I oh don't worry about that close lbw then doesn't need that he's got another one the one bad delivery from the over if you can call it bad was one that rahani could leave alone but i've seen it argued a couple of times that that was a, a setup delivery it was perfect because he had rahani thinking it might be a little bit wider and then he catches him there 
it was it was fascinating to watch and it's another weird decision for England to have to make. I know we're looking ahead whilst we're trying to review, but Broad will probably come in for the next test because that's their policy and I think they've got to stick by it. But, you know, that was just huge, Amanderson. Um, should we come on to the, the spin twins? The We keep calling them the Somerset spin twins, but they don't play for Somerset anymore. Can we just leave that for now? Um, my favourite stat is they both got four for 76 off the same amount of overs in their respective best innings. How weird's that? How creepy is that? Um, who should we start with? I want to start with Don Bess because he was unbelievable in the first innings, uh, bowling his best he has for England. I think you said it on the BBL pod, Zach. That wicket at Coley was awesome. And then today, he was just a bit off. Um, he, I saw George DeBell tweet that it's a bit yippy, like you might have the yips, like in a in a concerned way, as opposed to sort of pointing it out. Some of the full tosses he bowled to Coley were unforgivable, really. Back to back as well. And letting a batsman like that, you know, not feel that in danger against you. I'm, I don't know how to feel about Don Best, guys. I don't know, Glenn, what do you think? These full tosses are a bit unforgivable for me. And though he is a strike bowler and though he does get his fair share of luck, which is earned, especially that Pujara dismissal in the first innings, I don't know where I'm at. I think Leach has got to be the, the first spinner, despite some of the stick he took in the first innings. Um, I have really mixed feelings about it. I think probably all of us on the pod, all four of us, are probably slightly conflicted um, about the consistency of England's two spinners. So unfortunately, I have been critical of, of Bess in, in pods. Um, uh, listeners who, who tune in all the time will have heard that. Um, and then I was really walking back that criticism. I think I did give him an official apology um, in the Rainstop Play group chat after that brilliant four-wicket haul in the first innings. Um, he bowled 26 overs, really tidy economy of, of 2.92, so under the three mark, which for him, I think, in um, away from home, it is not bad. Uh, and he bowled really, really well. And just kind of point out that he tore apart um, that middle, that opening slash middle order for India. He got Pujara, Kohli, Rahane, and Pant. I mean, what a collection of scalps for for your collection in international cricket. I mean, he was magnificent. So I think we need to keep that in mind. But the second innings, it did fall apart. He bowled three full tosses in subsequent balls to Kohli, which were dispatched with disgust by the by the India captain, rightfully so. And even in the end of the towards the end of the um, fourth day, I think it was, he looked a little bit tired. And then coming into the fifth day, he just lost his line and length. I would point out that he did get. Um, he did get Washington Sundar with an excellent delivery. Uh, he still got a good wicket. Uh, but the economy, I mean, 6.25 um, on a final day when a spinner should just be bowling well is difficult. So, again, I don't really have a conclusion. I really like him. Uh, I think it, it, he demonstrated that England are absolutely correct to persevere with him. I was wrong on that. Completely, completely wrong. However, there are concerns. And he's not the finished article. His batting's been excellent, as we discussed 10 minutes ago. But... I still, I'm still conflicted, but for me, it's a net positive. I think he was more attacking than I've ever seen him bowl, and he was more dangerous than I've ever seen him bowl, um, both for the batsmen and the fielders after he threw in those long hops. <laughs> but it was, it was, it was a mixed bag. Zach, what do you reckon? Well, I think it's, I think it's, it's, it's important to go back to kind of what was said before the tour, just before the tour, after they'd taken so many wickets in Sri Lanka. Everyone said. Oh, they're not going to be able to bowl out Indians batsmen. They're not going to be able to bowl out Indians batsmen. England won't be able to take 20 wickets in this test. And obviously, it wasn't just the spinners who took the wickets, but like you mentioned before, Glenn, they, they, the spinners took the majority of the wickets. And best for that Coley dismissal, Best did exactly what everyone had been asking, everyone had been saying he needs to do. There was a great little bit of analysis on on the on the TV about it. There was it showed him bowling consistently in the same place to Coley, getting him defending for like. I think it was an over, maybe two overs. And then he bobbed one slightly wider that made Coley push out at it. And then, and then he edged it. So he did exactly that. And in previous times, we've kind of said that best, he doesn't build enough pressure and he does exactly what he did to arguably the world's best batsman. And it was obviously then really disappointing to see him not be able to take that and to do, like he did exactly what we want. We want from a finger spinner, exactly that, exactly what you have to do to take wickets. And then, to not be able to back that up is, is disappointing, especially on a fifth day. But we spoke, you spoke about Moeen's higher ceiling than Bess with the bat. I think the idea behind going with Bess is that because he's so young, like he's he's the same age as he's the same age as all of us. I think he's, he's about twenty three. Oh, don't say that, Zach. That's sad. That's just making me sad now. I was <laughs> I was a finger spinning by trade as well. And look where I am. 
Me and Glenn played against him. Like, was, <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> of, course, of course. Get that in early, mate. Yeah. <laughs> uh, he's bowled me out before. You know, so me and Virat Kohli were on the same Kohli level. Went, no. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. that, that should be something in a swear jar comparing itself to Kohli. <laughs> 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 Three swear jars going on at once. Sort of um, speaking of management, here's a great segue. I think Root managed our other spinner, the other spinner, not our, uh, Jack Leach, very well. Um, he had a bit of a, a moment at the start of the first innings, none for 77, Pant took a liking to him. I think, Will, you said uh, in our preview pod that one of these England players might get retired by one of these batsmen, and I was very, very concerned at the start. But Jack Leach bounced back fantastically. Um, his first eight overs, as I said, went for 77. His following 42 across the rest of the Test match, he took six for 104, which is perfect, isn't it? What, what a performance. And... You know, the, the, the character of Jack Leach, and I'll come on to how Root managed him because I thought opening the bowling with him at the start of the second innings was fantastic. Give him a bit of confidence, get him into the game. The batsmen weren't going to be coming at him as much. And I think that gave him a lot of confidence. And then it was an absolute jaffer that got rid of Rohit Sharma that sort of set England up to have India one down before the start of day five as opposed to non down. I think there's a bit of management that needs to be there with Don Bess as well because he struggled with his in, in the second innings, as we've, as we've mentioned. And he's earned enough capital not to get dropped for this next test. I know that. But there's going to have to be a time when, even after an okay performance, he might have to come out of the team for a little bit. And I think how they manage that is going to be very interesting. Um, let's talk about Jack Leach, though. I, I, I came to him there. 6 for 104, his 50th wicket, um, taken in test matches. He, he was spectacular. I thought he was well-controlled. Zach, how did you think he went on? I mean, it was a brutal first seven overs, but I think that recovery shows his character. Yeah, I, I've got a really good little stat about Jack Leach. That I mean, is, is it a good stat or is it is it just going to you know annoy some people? This is from Ben Jones, a quick viz analysis who has you to know, be good. We love, we love his we love his Twitter. It says this is mainly just weird, but Jack Leach now has won twice as many tests in Asia as any active Australian cricketer. <laughs> so I don't know yeah. what you think about that, but and obviously it's it's mainly down to the fact that Australia you know, haven't toured to Asia in a while or haven't toured much to Asia. And we've had, you know, two tours of Sri Lanka in there, but... Don't put those caveats in, uh, Zach. Just keep it, just keep it there. I'm happy with I, that. Yeah. And I saw a great comparison, you know, when Pant was going off at Leach, um, that Pant just really likes bold finger spinners. Um, just if they're bold and they're spinning it, he's fine. He's going to come down the pitch. Um, Will, <laughs> do you want to talk about that little sort of onslaught from Pant in, in the context of Jack Leach? I mean, it was kind of brutal and he was chucking out into the rough outside his off stump and he was just committing to every shot and nailing them. And it, it changed the whole face of the game and, in my opinion, influenced the declaration or lack thereof later in the game. It did, and it was it was a wonderful piece of brief positivity in that game from an Indian <laughs> perspective. Um, and you're right to say, I, I think we said in the in the Rainstop Play group chat at one point, like, oh, I, I thought Bess would get retired by Pant, but no, it's Leach. Um, yeah. But it was it was it was as you guys have said, it was really good from an Indian from a from an England perspective that he could recover from that so effectively. And by the last day, I went back and watched some of his his deliveries this morning, and it was like the drift he was getting to come in from a wide position and then rip off the pitch with turn was unbelievable and, and did sadly make Bess's struggles in, in that last innings look even kind of weirder that he couldn't get a similar effect. Um, but yeah, some ridiculous bowling from Leach for sure. Um, I just want to point out that in that final innings, he he had the perfect, um, I guess you could say, balance between attacking the top uh, order batsman. So he bowled row it. Um, and he bowled an absolute beauty to Pajara. That was possibly my favourite delivery of that final innings. Um, very well caught by Stokes. As you said, Will, that was what the commentators um, stated at the time. It drifted in and then turned away, making it extremely difficult to play because you're really caught in two minds there as a batsman. But then he kind of came back and really helped wrap up the tail, taking Ashwin and Nadim as well. So he was, in a way, that strike spinner that we're looking for to really to really try and clear out an opposition um, on a fourth, fifth-day pitch. And I think he did that job really well. Just to throw in a final weird stat about Jack Leach, because I love what Zach's offered. He's, he's as, as of right now, he has more test wickets in India than Jasprit Bumrah. <laughs> <laughs> I I forgot it was Jasper Rimmer's first test in India. I will come on to him because he was pretty handy. But that's some great. Should we have a Jack Leach stat, a, a Jack Leach stat every rain stop play pod from now on, regardless of whether we're talking about England or not? Just or if he plays. bring one in. <laughs> but it was so useful for England that one of their spinners did a job each innings. If you know what I mean, they they, they dovetailed of each other, and you know maybe that's their their friendship and their partnership blossoming there. Um. 
we don't luckily we don't have to have this declaration or like thereof chat but i'm gonna ask some questions anyway about it because i was sat doing some work with a quick on in the background on uh, as, as day four was coming to an end and everyone was getting a bit confused and a bit frustrated as to what england were, were doing obviously they bowled them they bowled india out with an, uh, a session to spare so it doesn't matter now but what do we think of that was that just england fans being england fans getting angry was that you know, Shane Warne just calling for a declaration with a leader 200 because he's Shane Warne. Was it England captains who were, you know, sat in a warm commentary box saying, oh, just do it now? Because they had a plan, they stuck to it, and it worked. Right, Will? Yeah, exactly. And declaration discourse is so incredibly tedious. Yes, but it, yes. it, in this case, doubly so, because we saw exactly the same people who were calling for an early declaration this week were doing exactly the same thing when Australia were way up in, in their innings in the last test against India. And we saw exactly what happened. India somehow won that test on the last day. And if Joe Root had not learned a lesson from that, we would say this is ridiculous captaincy. Yep. I would like to formally apologise from what I said yesterday about the declaration. Cause is that at the times... third apology we've had in 37 minutes? What's <laughs> happening here? Yeah, I'm, I'm, apolog- I'm formally apologising to Joe Root again. They clearly had a plan that they wanted the, you know, to have two bursts and have the ball still be hard this morning. And it, it worked an absolute treat. I was worried that it wasn't going to work. and you know, But they clearly had a plan. They stuck to that plan. And they wanted to make, Joe Root said afterwards, that they, they just had to make sure that there was only two results possible. Which, you know, is exactly, it's not the opposite of what Australia did, but Australia said they wanted to dangle the carrot of the fact India could get there. And obviously India did get there and it kind of embarrassed them. But and it, like, obviously there's differences, it's, different, it's a different country, it's a different conditions and a different pitch. And it, I, I really like the way they held back Anderson quite a lot until the ball was reversing. It was like they didn't just use him with the new ball. And I was a bit like, when they opened with Archer and Leach, I was like, this is weird. They're not using they're not using Anderson. But then when obviously we saw from the spell, it was perfect. And, you know, hopefully we can see a lot more of that. And and that was the plan. That was exactly what Anderson said in the interview on, on the end of day four. When they asked him, when do you reckon you're going to come on to bowl? He, had, he clearly said, listen, we're going to give it to the spinners early. We're going to wait for it to reverse. Then I'm going to come in for a short burst and see what happens. And then we all saw that one of the greatest overs, I'd say, in, in modern test cricket. I don't think that's an exaggeration at all. Dan, what do you reckon? Well, this is the New England for me. This is England not doing things as they always do it. You know, in England, Jimmy would open the bowling, but we're not in England. They're, they're more adaptable. They're happy to change, and it's working with the rest of the rotation policy, with who's bowling when, with selection. I think it's just been fantastic. Um, and I think Root's got his team well behind him. I think if we look at him as a captain, sometimes his field placings are a little bit awkward and off for me, but... I think he's got his troops back in him. And that decision, everyone was sat in the dressing room, no one fidgeting or complaining, just sat there knowing that was the plan. And and it went perfectly well. I'd, I'm so glad we don't have to have that discussion about, you know, oh, I should have declared earlier if England, India were nine down and this game was a draw. But Will, you're right. Uh, declaration discourse is, is so dull. And and just, just one extra point, and I think it's probably a nice segue on to discussing India's pros and cons of this game. Doesn't it, you've, You mentioned it earlier, you touched on it, but doesn't this show the, the impact of Pan? that he really terrifies opposition bowlers. I genuinely think that they would have declared earlier if it wasn't for the fact that Pant was waiting in the wings and that we all thought that he could and would get a very quick fire 60, 70, 80. So he, uh, in terms of, you know, influences on a match, I think he is right up there with with, um, just being a really aggressive and important player for for this India team now. I, I just want to point out to listeners, I know you, you won't have seen this, but Will had the face of a proud father, like seeing, <laughs> seeing the, uh, whilst, whilst, Glenn was, whilst Glenn was talking positively about Richard Pantler, Will was, it, was like, it was like Will was seeing his son, you know, collect an award for something. It was, it was beautiful. Pant just makes me smile. I love him so much. <laughs> And that was the really the one positive, wasn't it, Will, from, from India's performance? Um, that knock was fantastic. Just shades of the Gabba all over again. Um, and uh, let's go on to the negatives then, because I want to, and I'm quite happy to. Um, Shabazz Nadim, who, why, where? I, I, didn't, I didn't get it for me. Can, can you explain it for me, Will? Well, who, not really sure, played one previous test. <laughs> not, not, not sensationally. The why? Because Axel Patel's injured. Um, uh. and, and, and the how does it go? Mixed bag, not horrifically. Um, I mean, he, di- he did take Root and Stokes in the first innings and then um, Butler and Pope in the second, which is not 
you know, the worst haul to get, but he did have the worst economy of Indian in, any Indian bowler in both innings. Um, and he did just not quite look up to snuff. Um, it'll be interesting to see what happens with Axar because he's, it was reported as he's injured out for the first test. There's been no news on him since then that I've seen. So I don't know whether he's slated to come back in for the next or not. Um, but I think definitely Washington Sundar and Ashwin have basically secured their places there in now. Um, there'll be a question going forward, I think, whether India want to stick with that third spinner or whether they sort of aren't so keen on that. Glenn, what do you think about that? Um, I just want to point out that um, Sundar didn't get a wicket. Will, what's your take on his? But he batted beautifully. What What do you think about his bowling? Oh, so unlucky. I, I think yeah. I think one unlucky, and he had, he had good economy throughout. I think also he's he's seen as a straight replacement for Jadeja, um, and he, we saw that with his batting pretty well um, mm-hmm. as well. So he's kind of in on that basis. I'm sorry if we're having swear jars. Talking about Washington Sundar's economy <laughs> has to be. <laughs> <laughs> will, that was, that's, that's my line man that's yeah. my line previous listeners will know i love spinning economy and i didn't even want to talk about Sundar's economy. Did it, for me. Um, it was a bit unlucky wasn't he there was that one butler nick that was was basically came off the face and didn't get given but they burned their reviews and then sharma dropped that absolute sitter so he should have had a couple and his batting was unbelievable wasn't it yeah i think it's in, it'd be interesting to see what they do. Like, like you said, Nadim, like he may have picked up four wickets, but if you look at those four wickets, the root one is probably the only one where it was, you know, you could really give it to him because Stokes was, you know, swinging from the hip. Pope was kind of swinging. Butler charged down the pitch at him. So they were, they, you know, four wickets sounds good, but if you look at the four of them, maybe, you know, I'm not saying he didn't deserve any wickets, but, you know, three of them were, were soft dismissals to say the least. And the, how many no balls did he bowl? Like oh, the, the oh, amount of no balls was was shocking from a spinner, and that siren was so. Oh. What was that siren? Can we oh. like twenty twenty? Yeah, why not get the crowd going for whatever reason? But uh, in a test match, it just it was so jarring. Everyone was like, "What's going on?" The commentators were. I mean, there were so many. It kept making me think it was free hit. It's, they get, they get <laughs> a free hit. Which, which think, you know, I think that's what Butler thought when he came charging down. To be fair. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. <laughs> The batting will, um, I mean, Gill looked awesome again, and but just doesn't quite convert yet, and we'd expect that. He's only got a few tests. Rohane had a couple of good deliveries um, that got him out. I thought Cody looked brilliant in, in the second innings and got an absolute grubber to get him out. Um, a little bit worrying from an England perspective how, how well he batted in that second innings. It is, and I think the kind of the thing that makes it not particularly worrying as i said at the beginning it's not a complete disaster performance from india because a lot of batsmen actually had pretty good performances it's just none of them were in the right places <laughs> so as you said Kohli had one good one gill had a good one pant had a good one pajara had a 70 odd um, and yet none of them were strung together and they couldn't really get any partnerships going in one particular innings to put up a big score um, but it's good that, that all four of those have shown they're in relatively good nick um, and again i think one big story going forward is the Indian youngsters, Gill and Pant, both continuing their excellent batting from the previous series. That wasn't a, a one-off wonder. I, I've also, I've um, I've written down in my notes, Rohit Sharma question mark, um, just just to kind of stir up the discourse because it was interesting in our in our preview podcast. We said the Indian top six batting is pretty settled, mm-hmm. um, which was interesting that we all pick, predicted the same six given that they hadn't actually batted before the last test in Australia together before, um, that they felt settled by that point. Um, and it's just interesting to keep an eye on. I don't think they'll change before before the next test, but interesting to keep an eye on Rohit Sharma, because although he has a good um, test average as an opener, his last four scores have been a 44 against Australia, but then 7, 6 and 12. And that seems to be the dynamic that's just not quite working at the moment. So it'll be interesting to see if he can get a big uh, score. Meanwhile, waiting in the wings, does anyone want to have a guess what Mayank Agarwal's test average is as an opener in India? Ooh. Well, on the BBL pod, Zach, Zach asked me sort of these one of these set of questions, and I got it right exactly. Mm-hmm. So I'm going to try and go again, and it's either really high or really low. So I'm going to say 65. That's exactly what I was going to say. <laughs> 66. <laughs> that was my guess. <laughs> go on, Will. Please be 65. Hold on to the nearest object. It's 99.5. Sheesh. Um, <laughs> that's Bradman-esque. Oh, can we just have a quick, can we have a quick sample size on that, Will, please? As it was... I'll admit, I'll admit, it's five tests. Yeah, <laughs> that's not bad, that's a lot of, that's quite a few. That's it's... quite a few. Zach will hate that, he loves the sample size. 
No, Dan, you, uh, you, you told me off about mentioning sample size. <laughs> well, now the shoe's on the other foot and I'm kicking Will. So, it, it, <laughs> What do you reckon, Will, then? Do you want to bring him in or is it just something to whisper about if Sharma has a bad second test? I think it's it's definitely the latter. It's, it's As you say, it is a small sample size against South Africa and Bangladesh. But it is interesting that, that as soon as he came in as an opener, he had consistently excellent performances to the point where going into the Australia series, it wasn't even questioned that Mayank would open. And that was something that a lot of English perspective around that was kind of confused by it. But it's because he's had these unbelievable performances at home in India. Yeah, I, and that's a brilliant point. Well, I have two quick questions for you just based on, on what I saw from the Indian team. Number one, I think Gill and Pant batted wonderfully, but especially in the second innings, I don't think they adapted to the game situation. One, do you see that as a problem going forward? Because I thought Gill batted wonderfully. Like, aesthetically, he was as good an innings as anyone on the pitch, but he didn't tie himself down and really try and grind out a draw. And number two, just on Pan, it's something I mentioned in the preview pod, his keeping. So for me, it's still an issue, Will. And he dropped an absolute shocking um, stumping. I can't remember who was batting, but it was like it was as easy as you get. And he just threw it on the floor. Um, do you see is, is his keeping a concern for you going forward in this in this series? It's absolutely a concern. It's it's there were a couple drops uh, early on on the first day as well, um, which, yeah. which we're not kind of not, you know, massively you know the easiest catch in the world but they were drops which an excellent keeper might have taken um and it's definitely something to keep an eye on i think it's less going to be determined by what pant does going forward and more by all of the batsmen above him because i think if any of those top six start to have a poor run of form they'll straight away bump pant up higher in the order and get um at this point probably saha in as a keeper but again that's that's the other problem that there's sort of not unless they bring kale rule back in tests there's not a ready-made keeper that wants to come in for him. That's that's the big problem that India have. It's an interesting point you make as well on the game situation because I think partly, just as we've said, that England did well to watch what India did in Australia on the last day and adapt their declaration to it. Maybe perhaps the opposite happened from the India perspective, that they just they thought we can chase anything, so we'll just do it. And it's also interesting that all of the interviews that they did after that game, and maybe this is just spin, that this is what any player would say, but all of the Indian uh, batsmen and the captain Rahane said at the time about chasing down that, that last day in Australia, they said, we weren't particularly trying to chase it or trying to draw. We were just batting how we bat. And I think that's what we saw this week as well, that this is what Gil and Pant do. It's how they play. And I think they absolutely thought that chasing 370-odd was completely gettable on the last day. They're used to, to, to getting scores of 350 and a 50-over format. So why not when you've got 90-overs? I think that's genuinely the way that they think about the game. I think that's an interesting point in that, you know, there's kind of a lot of talk about, you know, you have to play a natural game and this is their natural game and it will go, it will go well and it won't go well. You can't, you know, you don't want to fiddle with the mastery of Pant. One thing I've been thinking about is, so India, Indian bowlers, they bowled a lot of overs, a lot of the bowlers who were just coming back from injury. And I, I, it could be an issue for them going forward. I know we saw the beauty of the depth of the Indian bowling attack in, in Australia, but there was a lot of overs for Ashwin, a lot of overs for Sharma. And that not obviously they don't have a there wasn't many many overs from part timers. So it was, it was Sharma who, who wrote Sharma who gave a couple overs. Is there a case for Washington Sundar to be pushed up into the top order because he's batted so well? I know it's a small sample size and it's a very out there thing. Because if Jadeja comes back and obviously he is the direct replacement for Jadeja, if it's say that I, I I don't know how injured Jadeja is. I think the I, there's kind of the idea that I don't think he's going to be back for a, any of this series. If Jadeja comes back for the third and fourth test, you're not dropping Washington, are you? And you're not going to drop, you know, Nadim's, Nadim's, obviously Nadim might not even make it to the second test. And you're not dropping Ashwin. So is there a case for, I don't know who we're dropping here, really. Coley or Rahane, who, you know, Rahane hit that great innings in Melbourne, but hasn't been good since. And I feel like that kind of, the lot, this small sample size, recent sample size of Rahane has epitomized Rahane's career. He hits one big, great knock, but then can't kind of do, he can't obviously can't do exactly what Joe Root's done in the last few innings, piece together a few good knocks and get some form together. And I think that's kind of epitomized Rahane's career. And it's a difficult one, but could you see Washington being played as a batsman who can bowl a bit, which I mean, he kind of is now, but further up the order because you can't not have Jadejo if he's fit. And then, you know, Washington hasn't done anything wrong. 
It's a really, really good question. And you're right, it's noticeable when you look at the Indian team that you go down the top six and there's no all-rounder there. There's no one doing the kind of contribution that Stokes thrown in. When you made that point, I thought, and I'm going to throw myself into the rain-stop place where you're here, I thought you were about to call for Hardik Pandya. (laughs) 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 But if if Washington can string together a few more excellent batting performances, then, then definitely that might put pressure on... I've just got one more, one more of those um, annoying, annoying questions for you specifically, Will, because it's something that that we've mentioned on other pods. So Crickviz just told us, I think it was today, that Virat Kohli's now lost four successive tests for the third time in his career. It's the first time it's happened while he was captain. I think Rahani's poor form is going to tie into probably your response to this, but what, how bad would it have to get? And this is this is taking it an extreme oh, way, this. but we're a pod. We, love we need some we need some hot questions. Will, how bad would it have to get? Would it have to be? a defeat so comprehensive that England go to the World Test Final yeah. <laughs> having played in India, is that the scenario in which you think that Virat might, there might be genuine questions over his leadership? This is such an uncomfortable question. I, I feel like I'm I'm getting Paxman interviewed here. Um, <laughs> All three of us are on it, mate. <laughs> um, I think, the way I'll answer that is I think it's noticeable that we're talking about it and it's not ludicrous. And I think that's a different position to where we were a month ago and probably even a different position to where we were a week ago. I think there are whispers about that now and they're not invalid. Um, I think when will it become plausible? I think definitely if they look, if they if they lose the next test and then it looks like they'll they'll lose the series, then it's it's very, very plausible discussion. Um, And it's interesting both ways. Does the team play better with Rahane as captain and does Rahane play better with himself as captain? And. If we get to the point where there's some evidence that Kohli being captain helps only Kohli and nobody else involved, then I think that'll probably be be a, a very valid choice. Well, I mean, it's, do, does Kohli? They're not going to drop Kohli though uh, as a player. Like he's, but then can Kohli, for his ego, be there? Not just for his ego, for for himself, the way he is, the, his character, be in this India team without being this dominating captain figure, this leader of men who, you know, there's some doubts around his captaincy style. He's very, you know, active and he loves a review, doesn't he? Mm. And, you know, he loves it. He gives a lot of energy and it doesn't, it's not, it doesn't necessarily, I'm not saying he's a complete fault for all of the, those losses. It's quite a, a weird stat that kind of, you know, he hasn't, he hasn't actually won a test match since 2019, which is quite funny, but also, you know, global pandemic comes into that and the fact they haven't played that many test matches but could he be in the team without, like, I'm opening this up to anyone. Could he be in the team without being the captain at this point? Yeah, he he'll do, do like, like a, do a cook or something or just, just chill there. I'm, I'm just buzzing we're having this conversation after one test match. I, I did not foresee this. Well, I think it's not just, it's, you use the example of Cook, but this isn't something unprecedented in recent Indian history. I mean, Sachin Tendulkar didn't captain for the vast majority of his career. Mm. Dhoni was captain and then handed it over to Kohli. So it's, and it stayed in the side for a long time after that. So it's not a, a implausible thing. And, and one quick point, I think it's just worth contrasting, um, just in this game, um, Virat's captaincy to Root's, because I think with, with, with Root, we had excellent, we had bowling changes made at the right time. As we've discussed with our declaration discourse, we think he got that right. I think that was obviously it was a team decision. I'm sure the coaches and stuff had a very big say in that. But I think Root looked very comfortable. He's grown into that role. I had doubts first couple of games for him. And he's now won as many games as captain as Michael Vaughan did in tests, which is pretty wonderful. So that's interesting. Um, and then it's just it is just comparing this Rahane captaincy where you feel like you got the best out of everyone in Australia with obviously a ridiculous basically a third string side by that last test to win one of the best series I've ever seen as a test cricket fan. So uh, yeah, I mean, I don't want to be too harsh on Cody and obviously this is, you know, a little bit of talk sport shock jock stuff, but at the, <laughs> at the same time, I think, I think Dan, you're right. It's interesting that we are having this conversation after the first test. And yeah, I think the pressure is on Coley to really turn things around quickly. There's no room for him. There's not really much wiggle room. Uh, I think it's the fact because none of us and none of the media and I don't know anyone had this to happen. This was a genuine surprise. And then it kind of snowballs a bit, doesn't it? It is great to be having this conversation, by the way, after one test. I I can't wait to see (laughs) what will happen at the end of it. Um, Just before we wrap up, boys, a few points. Um, The World Test Championship, um, the win today put England top of the table. What started as a fairly shambolic sort of percentage points thing has all of a sudden become really quite exciting. And there's a chance that... England could play Australia into the World Test Championship final at Lords. England could get there themselves. India got a lot of work to do. 
I, I, I've been a fan of the concept before. I thought it went off the rails a bit, you know, out of their control. But I, I'm liking it now. It's sort of, it's just an added element to everything, isn't it? I think it's just another one of those things that because it goes on for so long, at first, no one really, no one really sees the benefit of it. Like when we were playing those four tests in, well, the fact the Ashes was part of it. It was all a bit weird. We were like, we don't care if, like, we want to win the Ashes. We don't care yeah. about these points. It wasn't a good one for it to start with because everyone was just like, this is the Ashes. Don't bring your yeah. weird ICC tournament into this. But <laughs> then now it's all contextualised, right? Especially because, like, then we went and played in New Zealand, but those tests didn't count. It was, it was just like, this doesn't make any sense. It was a rough start. And I think it's going to be the same thing with this World Cup Super League that they're doing to qualify for the World Cup. That everyone's playing these three ODI series. That I'm, I'm, I'm trying to keep on top of and trying to, you know, understand, but it, like it's really difficult to understand what it is at the moment because we're so far away. I have no idea what the permutations of us losing that one ODI in July to England losing that one ODI in July will mean because it might not mean anything, but it might be important. Like it's it's just one of those things because they go on for so long, you can't understand how they're going to work. But it's the same thing as you know, in football at the beginning of the season, say Liverpool drew with Brighton might not matter might matter at the end of the season they draw with someone it's a massive result yeah. so it is kind of it, you know it, it's not just a cricket problem absolutely and let's let's quickly wrap up and look ahead to the second test in chennai starts on saturday will i come to you first really quick uh, any changes for india what do you what do you want to see what do you think will happen are they are they similar and how can they go and win the second test i'm worried they're going to be back you know and really quite aggressive i'm quite scared of this second test india side what do you expect might happen i think only possible change would be axel patel in if if he's fit instead of shabazz um toss will be in really interesting also really interesting to see what the pitch does i'm gonna predict an india win just because i would i would quite like that to happen <laughs> not not cool deep instead of shabazz because obviously i know he Great does question. spin it the same way Great as question. ashwin he does spin it the same way as ashwin but he's you know Argue, I mean, from what from what I've seen of him, a better spinner than Nadim, and obviously it's not. Axar gives an option with the bat, but Nadim wasn't giving that option anyway, and that would mean I don't know Ashwin with bat at nine, which seems you know very low for him, but not necessarily a bad thing. But I don't know. Kuldeep's a fascinating case because I've I've got absolutely no idea what's going on with him, but up behind the scenes, because prior to the Australia series, he had a reputation for being India's go-to spinner overseas. Somehow he lost his place there, and even with all of the injuries, never came back in. Um, and then when he doesn't come in for this one either, I kind of assume he's just out of the picture. But who knows? Uh, and for England, then boys, what, what do we reckon? Any changes? Obviously, Butler's going to be leaving now, and folks is probably going to, well, definitely going to take that position. Do we foresee any other changes? The only one I can think of is is Broad for Anderson probably, and then the rest should say the same. Yeah, I think it's interesting. So. Straight after the game finished, they were obviously interviewing Anderson Leach, um, England's two bowling heroes, and they and they said to Anderson, "Listen, there's probably on the cards that you might be having a rest." And interestingly, instead of saying, "I, I bet he was exhausted," but instead of um, saying, "No, I want to, I want to be there. I will be playing in three days," he actually pointed out how tiring it was to bowl on that pitch, um, and the and you know the effort it took him. So. With that response, I do think it will just be a natural um, substitution of Anderson for Broad and manage your older players. I think his response has kind of won me over because I thought after that spell, there's a case for just keeping him in the team. I really think that response was brilliant, wasn't it? Because he said, he said, I'm really tired, but also, you know, I've got three days and I'm ready to go again on Friday. Like he, he left it open. He didn't, he didn't yeah. give away anything, which I thought was Definitely. brilliant. And I think for the future of the series, my my idea of what they're going to do with the pace bowlers is I think they're going to do broad for Anderson for the second test. And then the third test is the day nighter. So the pink baller, which I think means they'll they might and I'd love them to do this. And it'd be really interesting to see how this went. They might then go get Archer out for Anderson. So we have broad and Anderson mm. in the pink baller as well as then, you know, then obviously we have Stokes and Bess and Leach and Root a bit as well. I think that's. For me, it's what I'd do, depending on what the pitch is looking like in Ahmedabad, but it'd be really interesting to see that happen. I like that, Zach. You're looking to the third test already. Let's get let's get Ed Smithical. We've got an analyst ready for you here. We've got <laughs> Statsman and Analyst Zach ready ready to go. Um, 
I'm gonna I'm gonna say very similar, and I hope I I think England uh, India will win. Sorry, and I'm gonna say that because we always get things wrong on the wrong on the pod. So that means England will win, right? If I if I fully declare an India victory right now, um, that should about wrap it up, then, boys. Um, thank you so much for listening to well the first episode of Rain Stop Play. Uh, welcome back if you're from another podcast that I'm not allowed to say the name <laughs> of because I'll find a pound or a dollar, and I can't I can't afford that right now. So yeah, you can follow us on Twitter at RainStoppedPod. Uh, we have a website, RainStoppedPod.com, that will have all our former episodes on there and a bit of analysis on there as well coming soon. Uh, so yeah, give us a follow if you like it, give it a share, uh, and welcome on board to, to new listeners, and thank you for carrying on people from the former podcast as well. Uh, so that'll about wrap it up. Glenn, thank you so much. Thank you. Zach, thank you so much. Thank you. It was an absolute pleasure. And we'll see you next week. See you next week. You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, excursions, and more in one place. There are over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from, so you can find something for everyone. And Viator offers free cancellation and 24-7 customer support for worry-free travel. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. Without the ones like you who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.